It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. Welcome back to Merry Britsmas as we charge on through the bleakest months purely because they're so far away from Christmas. It's the month of Valentine's Day so I thought I'd try to make some kind of spurious connections with a couple of the things I discussed this month. I'm going to stick with the book Christmas at War to continue to explore how soldiers of World War II dealt with the seasonal period. Explore a kind of lovey-dovey named episode called The Heart of Christmas from the sitcom My Family. And British covers of the pining heartbreak song Christmas, Baby Please Come Home. In the most distant link to Valentine's I could possibly make, I watched a festive episode of long-running BBC sitcom My Family called The Heart of Christmas. I covered the first Christmas special from season 3, Ding Dong Merrily, last year, but I'm skipping a few seasons ahead to season 6 in 2006, when this special aired on Christmas Day. To remind everyone present, including myself, My Family is about the Harper family with dentist Ben Harper, played by Robert Lindsay, and his wife Susan, played by Zoe Wanamaker, as they struggle through family life with their chaotic kids and colleagues. At home they have their son, Michael, and daughter Janie, now with a child called Kenzo to deal with. Also, distant ditzy relative Abby is still around, now engaged to Ben's simple dental colleague, Roger. A new character was introduced at the start of season 6 too, in Alfie, a Welsh struggling musician and friend of Nick's, the family's oldest son who had moved out in an earlier series. The show was very successful when it was on, even though it's kind of been forgotten now, but it was still voted 24th best British sitcom in a BBC poll. And to get into the festive special, the heart of Christmas starts with the ever curmudgeonly Ben being dragged into a Christmas card photo with Susan in a garish Christmas jumper. You look lovely. Where's the matching hat? You will have to place that hat on my cold, dead head. Stand over there and smile. Smile. <laughs> smile. This jumper's not going to fool anyone, you know. Everyone knows I'm miserable. Why do we have to send them photographic evidence? Right. We've got ten seconds. Smile. No. Smile. I'm not smiling. Smile. No. My mother can't make Christmas this year. And he then gets quickly annoyed at sorting out the tree. No, 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 no. That's not right. No, no. Right, right. No, no. Bit more to the left. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back a bit. No, no, too far. A bit more to the right. No, it's better the way it was before. Are we positioning a tree or sighting a cruise missile? We're putting up the Christmas tree, Ben. Christmas is for children. It's meant to be fun. Fun? Oh, why can't we just go away this Christmas? You really are a miserable Scrooge of a man, aren't you? 
and the two of them tried to get to the root of his anger. I want to try and understand you. Now, is, is it the commercialization of Christmas that bothers you, or are you just a nasty man? <laughs> a bit of both, I suppose. <laughs> Seriously, Ben, I want to try and help you. I mean, what happened in your childhood that made you hate Christmas this much? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. No, oh, come on. Seriously, Ben. No, it's... I, it... Well, I, uh, there was that Christmas when I was eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Snowed a lot that year. I was I was making a snowman out in the garden. I, I never told anyone this before. Anyway, I was I was going to put a carrot in for its nose and um, uh, sorry, I, this is really difficult. I, I, no, it's fine. But I, it's, anyway, I was going to put the carrot in for its nose and. The snowman magically came alive and told me to hate Christmas. <laughs> ben then tries to feign illness and Susan sees through it, but he still wants to get away from it all. My, my heart's racing. Feel, 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 feel. Oh, oh. You're not ill. Huh? You're not getting out of Christmas duties. Susan, please. Now, presents. Susan, I'm really not well. You're just having a panic attack because you're going to have to spend some money. <laughs> now, have you thought about what you want? I'd like a street guide to Barcelona. And where am I supposed to get that? I was thinking Barcelona. <laughs> and then we see Alfie, the new tenant, who is asked what he wants for Christmas. Ah, Alfie! What would you like for Christmas? He's not even one of ours! <laughs> I should think living rent-free here all year would be present enough. He's a friend of Nick's. He's like one of the family. Good. We can choose to ignore him. <laughs> That's very sweet of you, Mrs Harper. Um... I am enjoying a bit of a fascination with Peru at the moment. There'll be no llamas in this house. <laughs> no, um, Andean pipes or a book or a hat would be much appreciated. Ah! <laughs> a hat! Do you think I'm made of money? <laughs> and there's also a problem to deal with, with Janie's son, Kenzo, and his potential present. So, darling, what do you want for Christmas? Well, for Christmas, knows. Does he? <laughs> what is it? I don't have to tell you. He knows. He's been saying this for two days, ever since we saw Father Christmas at the grotto. But you can tell us, can't you, Kenzo? Why? He knows. But it would be sort of fun if we knew too, wouldn't it? No. So, when you were talking to Father Christmas, Mummy wasn't standing close enough to hear? Yeah, well, Mummy was distracted by a shoe sale. I bet Mummy feels a little silly now, doesn't she? Taking things too far, Ben goes to the doctors and gets a private room overnight for some tests. Well, um, nothing too much out of the ordinary, but while we have you here, we might as well run a few tests. Why not? Why not? Why not? Eh? Uh, you hear that? They're running a few tests. You'll only be in overnight. Hear that, Ben? You'll only be in overnight. Oh, and plenty of time for Christmas. That's what they said to the troops in World War I. <laughs> but whilst enjoying the luxury, he finds out his insurance has expired and is put into a general ward covered in tinsel, grumbling to Susan about it all. How are you doing in this room? My insurance has run out. Look what I've got to put up with. Oh, it's not so bad. What? Are you demented? He's been snoring all night. He's been farting. And the bladder king. Look, here she comes. Look, here she comes. Trotting off to the bog every ten minutes. Welcome to my world. <laughs> and as a good wife, Susan offers to help by speaking to the doctor. I'm uh, Susan Harper, Ben Harper's wife. I understand you're running some additional tests on him. 
That's right. Yep. Uh, well, I, I, I don't think my husband's been entirely honest with you. Oh? Yes. Uh, he's only given you half the story. You see, his, his family have a long history of tummy and bowel troubles. Really? Mm. Well, um, I'll add a couple of procedures to the list. They're rather intrusive and uncomfortable, I'm afraid. Oh, don't worry about Ben. He's a little trooper. Uh, you will still be home for Christmas? Oh, definitely. Perfect. <laughs> and goes home to break the apparently sad news to the family. So I just want to let you all know that Ben won't be around for a few days. He's in hospital, having a few tests. Tests? Oh, my God, no! Why is it always the good who die young? I wouldn't exactly call him good. I wouldn't exactly call him young. You don't seem to be too upset by this pleasant crisis, Mrs. Harper. Oh, putting a brave face on it, Alfie. It's the only way I know how to deal with these things. <laughs> sorry, sorry. They will be thorough, won't they, Susan? Oh, yes, they'll be thorough. <laughs> they'll be leaving no avenue unexplored. <laughs> Meanwhile, further mix-up with Kenzo's potential present macro-man makes things difficult for Janie. Mummy, I'm getting a macro-man for Christmas. What? I, I thought you didn't want one. I talked to Granny. She said they're cool. Did she? <laughs> Good for Granny. All in a day's work, darling. I don't expect to thank you. Oh, no, Mum. Although a thank you would be nice. I, I just gave the... M-A-C-R-O-M-A-N away to some kid on the children's ward. Ah. <laughs> now what do I do? Oh, don't worry, darling. Give him five minutes and he'll have forgotten all about it. I'm getting a macroman! <laughs> and Ben wakes up to carolers at his hospital bedside. Yes? Ding dong, Mary So, what are you doing? Ding dong, Mary. We're singing your request. What? What are you babbling about? Well, someone asked us to sing this carol for you. You see, we leave forms on the front desk. Look, Ben Harper, Prescott Ward, ding dong, merrily on high. Ding dong, Mary And then a doctor turns up and reveals a real issue might be there with the test results to Ben and Susan. We've finally got your test results back. Look, I'm sorry we've wasted your time. You haven't. We've actually turned up something rather interesting. Big pardon? Yes, we looked at the angiogram and it seems you have a partially occluded coronary artery. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you know what that is, Mrs Harper? No. <laughs> well, in layman's terms, a load of cholesterol has blocked one of your husband's pipes. Ah, right. Well, I'll... You'll give me some tablets, will you, to dissolve it? Or, or, or send in a plumber with a set of rods? Well, in a manner of speaking, I am the plumber. You're having surgery, Mr Harper. Surgery? Oh, my God. Yes, it's called an angioplasty. I feed a catheter into your groin, then up to your aorta, then into the offending blood vessel, and then we pump up a small balloon. Why? Because it's Christmas, Mr Harper. <laughs> to compress the plaque and open up the blood vessel. 
and everyone gets quite worried about the upcoming surgery, with Susan even deciding she needs to talk to God. Hi God, it's me, Susan. You probably don't remember me. I don't think we've spoken since Michael had that fever as a baby. Thanks for sorting that out, by the way. Oh, and for not being pregnant that one time. Thank you so much. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I need to ask another favour. It's about Ben. Well, you know him. Grouchy, dentist, Scrooge with an attitude. But the thing is, you see, I love him to death. Well, not to death, but you know what I mean. If you could look after him for me, I, I'd really appreciate it. And if you ever need a favour... <laughs> look who I'm talking to. Well, um, that's about it. Uh, uh, what's the word? Amen. And Ben, of course, has a final message, potentially, for Susan. If this doesn't work out, you'll probably want to remarry. Ben. Come on, Susan, please. This is important to me. I just want you to know. I'm really against it. <laughs> so you'd rather I grew old, alone and miserable? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's getting upset in the waiting room, but no more than Roger. Why aren't they telling us anything? They just let us sit here? Have they no respect for our feelings? I mean... We're human beings! Roger, it's been four minutes. <laughs> and whilst in there, Susan gives some advice to a still-struggling Janie about the gift for Kenzo. I just wanted Kenzo to have the perfect Christmas and it's all going wrong. Janie, Janie, Christmas will be fine. Kenzo doesn't need expensive stuff to make him happy. Whatever you give him, he'll love because it comes from you. I'll let you into a little secret. Most of the time, you're just guessing and hoping your kids turn out all right. What, so you were just guessing? Every day. But I must have done something right, mustn't I? <laughs> Private moment, Roger. Oh, sorry. I thought it was a group hug. Under the anaesthetic, Ben dreams of a heavenly cloud-filled space, which then becomes a performance and song from a flamenco-dressed Susan. Susan Hopper and she's here to stay She is the only god and she has this to say Who says a lot of people led a life of sin You can't show up in heaven and just walk right in Susan, you're God Now oh, he gets it You just sat there watching telly filled a tooth for two Never gave your kids a treat or took them to the zoo Remember all the times that you let down your wife Don't you think you better reassess your life? And Susan, aka God, has a little post-song chat with him before showing him the happy family Christmas he could have to end the episode. What? What are my children doing in hell? You should be proud of them. Nick didn't even make it that far. <laughs> now, do you want to talk about the way you've been living your life? You mean I'm not dead? Your life isn't over. This was just a preview. I'm sending you back. I don't have to call you God woman down there, do I? Every once in a while wouldn't be bad. <laughs> Let's take the stairs.
It's not a bad Christmas special, but it's nowhere near a classic. And I don't think it's amongst the best of this particular show either. Even though it's terribly cliched and old-fashioned, I think Robert Lindsay plays the put-upon grumpy dad and husband role very well, and there's lots of quick smart lines and jokes in the show that land relatively well. It's aged okay, and I think it's also a bit overstuffed at 50 minutes, with too much focus on other characters rather inane or shoved-in stories. I didn't even talk about Roger and Abby's side story about potentially wanting babies, or Michael and Alfie's attempt to throw a party in the house to get girls, mainly because they aren't really Christmas connected, but also because they're a bit naff and weren't really that funny. But there are a few more My Family Christmas episodes which I may get to in the future. I've been sharing excerpts from a book called Christmas at War by Caroline Taggart, which takes real accounts of people from all sorts of backgrounds, sharing their experiences of life in the UK and on the front line during World War II. I've shared sections on presents and decorations and civilian life. I've only got a bit left to share, but would advise you seek it out if you like history and Christmas. I'm continuing the same chapter from last week as it's quite long and there's some fascinating accounts of soldiers' experience on the front line, or those that served during the war. Aside from soldiers, nurses served of course as well, and we're going to start with Margaret, a nurse who was stationed in India, who tells of her unit on a train until 4am at Christmas celebrating in 1944. We had a wonderful party, tinned milk mixed with gin and whiskey, which we rechristened Tiger's Milk. I remember someone falling into a rain-filled slip trench holding aloft a Christmas cake and a bottle of scotch. How the unit escaped a court-martial was a miracle. You might call it a Christmas miracle, but others had a less positive time, such as Lieutenant Spiller in Basra, Iraq during Christmas 1941, who was in a hotel that also had a brothel operating out of it. I don't remember enjoying Christmas since I was a child, but this Christmas day was the worst ever. A small boil on my cheek elected to burst in the afternoon. I took to my bed and tried to sleep, but the racket made rest impossible. All around was pandemonium, doors slamming, corks popping, bells ringing, hotel staff arguing, laughter down the corridors. In the evening I tried to drown the pain with aspirin and went out to watch couples shunting around the dance floor. Several people got drunk and were quickly removed. Returning to the hotel I found that the signs of festivity had increased. A fire extinguisher had been let off, flooding the hall, and in the courtyard, a trio of sodden soldiers were leaning into the fountain trying to catch carp. Upstairs was a scene of devastation. A bunch of drunken soldiers had broken into bedrooms, announcing they were military police. My room was untouched, although those opposite, on both sides, had been ransacked. Just after Christmas, he wrote a letter to his wife. My life continues on the same pattern of long hours, interesting enough work and sometimes a quiet bar drink in the evening. I found a good system of rationed whiskey whereby an officer like me who doesn't live in a mess can buy a bottle of whiskey on the cheap. A colonel told me that he always bought chocolate and found it an excellent substitute for whiskey in the cold, but I've not had the same experience. There were turkeys for dinner at Christmas here, which I suppose there weren't at home, but they were so badly cooked that there was practically no taste in them. All meat out here is pretty dull eating because there's no proper feeding for the animals. I don't recommend Iraq as a holiday resort. Let's hear from a young man called Richard, who lied about his age to join the war as a 17-year-old, and then found himself a couple of years later as a wireless operator in Italy in 1941, 
with again Christmas not being all that jolly. None of us had seen anything like it. It started one afternoon, and by the following morning, it was three feet deep. The snow just kept building and building. I was only using my wireless at nine o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon. I explained to base that we were going to quarter rations to get through. They said they'd been in touch with the RAF, and an aircraft would be dropping rations by parachutes. We all looked and cheered when it came in sight. We saw them open, but they drifted down to the bottom of the valley. The Germans must have been delighted waiting there. They had ski troops and we watched as they gathered the rations. We could do nothing to stop them. It started to snow again. It was a couple of days to Christmas. I explained all that happened to base. Evidently another drop was to take place, but every transmission for two days they said the weather was too bad to fly. We knew that ourselves, as by now the snow was 15 foot deep. It had drifted all our way. Things were getting desperate. Christmas Day we had half a cup of wheat tea with three hard biscuits for breakfast. For dinner we had a tin of corned beef between six of us, plus a slice of tinned peach. Later we had another half cup of tea with a couple of biscuits. We were told we would have our Christmas when we were relieved. What happened? Well, we never had it. At last the sun shone. We were told to make a letter L with gas capes on the snow in the centre of our position. Another drop had been arranged. Oh, what a day! First of all, two fighter planes came and strafed the German side of the valley. Then another one came, escorting the Dakotas and strafing the enemy position. The Dakotas came in low, right over our heads. The baskets dropped right on the gas capes, it was wonderful, and the fighter planes waggled their wings as they went back. The food baskets were well packed. Everything that was needed, even cigarettes for everyone. We had a decent meal at last. These food drops were important to the troops stationed there at the time, especially in such bleak moments. And Eric, stationed in Lagos in Nigeria during Christmas 1944, tells us of more of these food drops. Early in this grim war, where nature and the Japanese are foes, Christmas was observed and British-American and Empire airmen acted as flying Santa Claus. Flying over areas which a few weeks ago were the scenes of bitter fighting, they dropped presents. Parcels from home, fresh meat, poultry, fruit drinks, and lots of other delicacies which we'd like to eat at Christmas time. But the most popular were the turkey specials. Bombers which flew 11,000 pounds of turkeys to troops in the forward areas. And finally, in 1944, Tom was with the 8th Army in an unspecified area of North Africa, writing home to his wife in the Women Naval Service about New Year's and the hopes that the war would soon be over. New Year's Eve, about 2100 hours. Shades of New Year's of days gone by. I'm in the office truck. I've just put my bed down, having come in for a few minutes to relieve the guard. I'm sleeping in this truck at the moment whilst the other sergeant's away on leave. He should have been back tonight, but he's probably snowed up somewhere. I have a glass of vermouth with me. We have just managed to make our capture last the distance. Tonight we'll see the end of it. Already the first old Lang Syne has been sung. Somehow, I don't feel particularly cheerful. Tomorrow, the start of a new year, and what a prospect. I admit that as far as I'm concerned, it will mean that unless I get in the way of a stray shell or bomb, I'll return home. That's a lovely thought, but the general situation fills me with considerable foreboding. Tomorrow sees the end of my fourth year abroad, and the day after that, the start of my fifth. After I've written this, I have to go and drink with my friend, a pleasant gentleman with whom I came abroad. He's also in a dark mood. In fact, it's rather peculiar, but all the, the latest arrivals are in such a mood today. Don't know why. Maybe we're tired. It may be that we think that though we will return home next year, we will be away again before Christmas. Still, it's not right to write in that strain. I beg your pardon. 
there's no end to it. How nice it would be if we were dressed in our best outfits, casting a roving eye around the place, having a small one to please somebody and shaking a hip, maybe a party after, or ham and eggs in that place in Mosley Street. I have some doubts whether my soup and fish would fit now, as I've increased my girth slightly. Hair greyer, face more lined, definitely an old bachelor. Yes, I think, though, the twinkle would be there if opportunity provided the chance. That's the lot for this year. A poor letter, I'm afraid. Very sorry. I'll now drink your health. Cheers, and may we both be out of the services by this time in 1945. Finally, how about a heartbreak of a love song for Valentine's Month? One of the greatest Christmas albums ever, in my opinion, is A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Spector, a beautiful wall of sound and sleigh-bell-covered record with great singers like the Renettes, the Crystals and Darlene Love. One of the best songs on the album is an original called Christmas Baby Please Come Home, written by El Greenwich, Jeff Barry and Phil Spector, wonderfully performed by one of the true queens of Christmas, Darlene Love. The song seems to be about a heartbroken individual, all alone at Christmas after their lovers left, reminiscing about the love they had last Christmas, and wishing they were together still. Or perhaps they're far away and can't get home, a common festive song trope, and their love is wishing them back in their arms again. Regardless, it's about that feeling of love, and loss tied up, and it was surprisingly not a hit when it was released as a single in 1963, but has since become a festive standard. Unusually, there was also a non-festive version written by Spectre and sung by Darlene Love to try and reach a wider market, called Johnny Please Come Home. But it was only publicly released in the 70s on a compilation record called Rare Masters. But that's not Christmassy, so let's get to the British covers of this song. First is a singer who I feel has a similar vocal tone to Darlene Love, called Leona Lewis. The London singer went to the Brit School before finding fame when winning the third series of the UK X Factor. Her first single, a cover of Kelly Clarkson's A Moment Like This, was number one for four weeks. And she since had two more number ones and a number of top ten hits as well as recording a song for the first Avatar film. Her festive album, called Christmas With Love, came out in 2013, and apart from a few originals such as the brilliant One More Sleep, it had a bunch of covers, 
including her take on Christmas Baby Please Come Home. Katie Tunstall is a Scottish singer-songwriter I've mentioned on the podcast before because of her festive EP Have Yourself a Very Katie Christmas, released in 2007. She had big hits in the mid-2000s in the UK, with Suddenly I See in The Black Horse and the Cherry Tree. She won Brit Awards, the Ivor Novello Songwriting Award, and was nominated for a Grammy. But on her Christmas EP was a cover of the Spectre-written classic. covered by female performers but there are a few male takes on the song by artists such as Ollie Murs, a British singer who like Lewis found fame through the X Factor, in this case the sixth season where he was the runner-up but succeeded in going on to more fame than the winner, using his cheeky Essex charm over the course of seven albums to get four number one singles and now becoming a presenter on talent shows such as the X Factor and The Voice. He covered Baby Please Come Home for the BBC Radio Live Lounge in 2016. It's not like Christmas at all I remember when you were here And all the fun we had last year Pretty lights on the tree Oh, I'm watching them shine You should be at me Baby, please come home And finally, a slightly alternative cover from Slow Club, an indie pop duo from Sheffield who released five albums before splitting to pursue solo careers. One half of the band, Rebecca Lucy Taylor, went on to become self-esteem, a star in her own right, making songs about female empowerment that have dazzled critics in the last year or so. But their 2009 EP called Christmas Thanks For Nothing brought a great cover of Christmas Baby Please Come Home.
Well, March is next up and the sun does seem to be returning with slightly longer days, which makes things a bit easier. I don't mind the dark when Christmas is here as lights and beauty are everywhere. But for now, we trudge through the winter, hopefully with some festive podcasts or music in our ears. I've been watching some movies recently with great Christmas scenes, such as An Affair to Remember, which helps keep some festive atmosphere going secretly. Have you got a favourite film that's definitely not a Christmas movie, but has a good Christmas scene in it? If so, let me know on my socials on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, or at Merry Britsmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all.